Let's open our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. Count, not count, connect the dots. We can't count them, there's too many. We just want to connect them so we can see the hand of the Lord in our lives. And His hand is everywhere. Singing that song about through sorrow and having a song in the night season. I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and his companion in Acts chapter 16 was Silas, and they're in the city streets of Philippi. Now the Lord has said to come over and preach the gospel there, and there they are, and there is this devil-possessed woman following them through the streets, crying out that these men are the servants of the Most High God, showing unto us the way of salvation over and over. And she wouldn't be quiet. And so Paul had to cast the devil out of her. You know, when the devil went out, there's a dot. There's a dot that the woman was there bothering him, and so he had to cast the devil out of her. Her owners didn't like the fact that a woman without the devil can't be a soothsayer. Anytime you're wondering about horoscopes and palm readers, you can just remember that if they don't have the devil, they can't do anything. And they couldn't do anything in Acts chapter 16. Well, the magistrates got upset that these owners that had contributed, they were fathers in the city, so they ripped the clothes off of Paul and Silas, beat them and put them in the prison. There's all these dots taking place. Why did the owners get that upset? Why did the magistrates do something so terrible to them? Why did they get put in an innermost prison? And why was it now midnight in the night season? We just sang. What happened at midnight? Paul and Silas, God God gives a song. So they sang. Because the apostle Paul was wondering... With holy wonderment, where are these dots going to lead? Well, do you know where they led? There was a great earthquake that shook that prison. Every door was open. Every shackle was loosed. Every prisoner was free. And the jailer came in and was converted. And so was his family. And he and all his were baptized straightway that night. That is connecting the dots. Paul is in Philippi and there wasn't a synagogue. So he had to go to the riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and he gets Lydia. He had to be taken to prison where he could get the jailer and his whole family. There's dots, brother, we want to connect them. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, it's a verse I read to you last Lord's Day. I hope you love these words. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That expected end was their restoration to Jerusalem because the previous verse is the prophecy of the 70 years that Daniel found in Daniel chapter 9 when he was reading the book of Jeremiah and got all excited about it and called on the Lord. That's the prophecy. So you know what the thoughts of peace are and you know what the expected end is. It's Cyrus and all the dots that were involved in Cyrus taking the city of Babylon. Why'd they leave the leaved gates open? Why were the gates left open so the Persian army could march through the riverbed of the Euphrates into the city of Babylon? And all the dots are there because God had an expected end for His people. Those are God's dots. God had huge dots for His church, bringing them out of the chastisement that they justly deserved in Babylon and restoring them to Jerusalem. But now let's go to that little minor prophet that we read last night that we began with this morning and that we want to look at again right now. Haggai. The little minor prophet of Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. 
Haggai and Zechariah were contemporaries. You can read about them in Ezra 5 and Ezra 7. Their ministry was to stir up the people to work on the temple. Now in Haggai, and I hope that I can just cover this in a couple of minutes. Did you understand how that these two chapters say, in other words, connect the dots? How does God, the Lord of hosts, say connect the dots by the prophet Haggai in his his prophecy? Consider your ways. Connect the dots. Think about how you're living and look how I'm responding. Think about how you're living and look at how I'm responding. The first 11 verses are, consider your ways. You're living in finished houses and my house is not built. You have put your house before my house and therefore I am blowing against you. I have called for a drought. You plant much and you reap little. You earn wages, but you put it into a bag with holes in it. It just disappears. You never get ahead. If you ever wonder about why you're not getting ahead, go to Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, and examine yourself in the force of its words. Is the Lord's house the most important thing in your life? Or have you put your life ahead of the Lord's house? And that's the case here. Consider your ways. He says it in verse 7. He says it in verse 5. Is it time, verse 4, O ye to dwell in your sealed houses? That means they were finished. They had ceilings in them. And this house lie waste? It's still rubble. Eleven verses. They heard the message. They considered their ways. They realized, you know, we're not pleasing the Lord. The Lord's blowing against us. Let's get busy. So it tells us in verses 12 through 15 that they changed their dots. Their dots in the first 11 verses were about themselves. And it was leading to no progress. So they changed their dots. Let's go work on the house of the Lord. And so you have four verses teaching you that in the second half of chapter 1. And we can go on to chapter 2. And we don't even need the first nine verses because that's about the Lord Jesus Christ and His glory in the latter house. Let's come to verses 10 through 14. In verses 10 through 14, Haggai the prophet says, By the Lord, let's ask the priests a question about blessing. And and the question is this, verse 12. If... If someone has holy flesh, if a priest has holy flesh in the skirt of his garment and he touches bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, does it make it holy? When the priest is carrying something holy and it touches something dirty, does it make the dirty thing holy? No, never. On the other hand, verse 13, if one, if a priest that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these things, Shall it be unclean? Indeed. And the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Because sin corrupts. Haggai answers and says in verse 14, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. Because they have put their lives before the Lord's house, because they've put their house before the Lord's house, God wouldn't accept their worship. What they offer there is unclean. Their sacrifices and their offerings were corrupted and polluted by the fact that they weren't living right. right. Bad dots ruin your worship of God. So if Monday through Saturday you go home and you're living for yourself and you're living in the world and you're allowing yourself inputs of the world and you're delighting in the world and you're befriending the world and you come in here, 
no matter how sincerely you try to worship while you're here, you can't cover the other activities of your life. They, though, ruin your worship of God so that your worship of Him is unacceptable. It's about dots. Bad dots in your personal life ruin your attempt at good dots in your worship life. Good dots in your private life sanctify your worship so that it's all acceptable to God. This is Haggai's reasoning with the people. Because you have been selfish and because you haven't sought God and His kingdom first, I've been against you. You haven't been making it financially and your worship is unacceptable to me. It's unclean. And he describes how bad it's been for them in verses 15 and 16. You know, in verse 16 he says, Since those days were when one came to a heap of 20 measures, when he harvested a field or something, and he figured there should be 20 measures there. You know, a farmer can look at a field and they know what kind of yield they're getting and they know about what they're going to have. There should be a heap of 20 measures. There are only 10. When one came to the press fat, you threw so many grapes in there that you should have had 50 vessels, but you only were able to fill 20. You see that? They're not getting ahead. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and with hail in all the labors of your hands, yet ye turned not to me, saith the Lord. Now the first verb in verse 18 is consider, and the verb in verse 15 is consider. In 15 and 18 it's consider. Go to your calendar and connect the dots. Go to your calendar and mark down this day that the foundation of the house of the Lord has been laid. Look backward and see that you couldn't get ahead. Look forward. Now, it's, I'm not telling you this, Aki, I said, because I can see that you're going to have a good harvest because the seed is still in the barn. Nothing's been planted. There is no evidence of anything yet. But you can mark your calendar because if you'll change your dots, what are the last four words of verse 19? I will bless you. I will bless you. Change your dots. So there's two sets of dots that we want to think about when we use the little phrase, connect the dots. We want to connect God's operations of grace in our lives, God's operations of providence in our country. I've taken some time to look at Midway this week. I've taken some time to look at Dunkirk this week. It was fascinating. All the little dots that the Lord laid out. The errors that were made. The blessings that were made. The weather that covered and the weather that revealed. It's all God's providence, and it traces itself all the way back to creation. It traces itself back to the ark and Noah and his family coming off it. The fact that we're here, the fact that we're in the North American continent, we're in the Western Hemisphere, where did that happen? What took place? Why are we here? Our parents, our grandparents, it's traced all the way back. God has providentially been merciful to us. Merciful to us. And I want us to rejoice in those things. This child's game that I used, Connect the Dots, is just for a little expression for you to have when you see something that the Lord's done that you're able to look and see, you know, He did that. I didn't know what was going on. He did that. I didn't know what was going on there either. But this was the result. It's amazing. Listen, the whole Bible's filled. I'm out of of sorts with myself right now because I've only got a little bit of time. But look at 2 Kings chapter 5. The dots just go up and down and back and forth. And you, and I want us as a church because God is pleased by us knowing His wonderful works. Amen. Jesus told the, the Gadarene, Go home and tell thy friends what great things the Lord hath done for thee. And we want to be constantly saying what great things the Lord has done for us. And He has done so many different things for us. 
the men that we've met in our lifetimes that taught us the truth. Amen. We're so blessed. You know, I'm not even looking at the fact that He converted us. And in order to convert us, He had to regenerate us first. In order to regenerate us, Jesus had to die for us. In order for Jesus to die for us, He chose us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's the biggest doubt of all. Next Sunday, by God's grace, five young men are going to get in this pulpit and connect the dots of the eternal phase, legal phase, vital phase, practical phase, and final phase. Because those are dots. Boy, you get that thing started... And you end up glorified because Romans chapter 8 says, For whom He did foreknow, He predestinated, called, justified, glorified. Because those dots are part of a golden chain that cannot be broken. And they're they're the dots, they're the basis for everything else. Those dots crush every other dot we have in our lives. Before Genesis 1-1, God was putting down dots for us and they involved His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by covenant. The decrees of God were already being issued on our behalf by name. It's, a, it's wonderful. Second Kings 5. What in the world are we looking at the chapter about Naaman and talking about connecting dots? Right. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master. Who's his master when you're the captain of the host? The king of Syria. So he's a great man. He's going to have a relationship with the king where he's going to have to be involved in religious activities of the king. I see a dot. And honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. God had already put a dot in his life that the Lord was with him. He was also a mighty man in valor. But he was a leper. Now there's a but. There's a dot that's not exactly in Naaman's favor. Can you imagine this mighty man of valor that is honorable in the sight of the king? The king loves him. He's a champion in Syria. But the guy's got leprosy. You know, maybe he wore his helmet all the time with the visor down. We don't know, but he, but he was a leper. There's dots already being laid. He was a leper. He said it'd be terrible to be a leper. Oh, uh, not on the other end of his leprosy. It's like Paul being, if you were to ask the apostle Paul, would you like to be whipped, whipped, scourged, stripped of your clothes and put in the innermost prison and your feet put in stocks if you could convert the jailer and his whole family and baptize them tonight? What would Paul say? All of the above. Yes, I'd be happy to do that. Look at this man. He was a leper. Verse 2, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. Is that a dot? Amen. They got a little girl, threw her up in the back of a horse or tied her by a rope and pulled her back to Syria. A little girl. Was she your ordinary little girl? No. Are you seeing? Listen, if you if you get the concept of connect the dots and looking for God's providence, it's at, it's on every single page in the Bible. Amen. And I just want to show you Naaman. He's just this is just one example. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Now a little girl that knows that there's a prophet in Israel that can heal needs to be around someone that's sick, right? Or that the the information doesn't do any good. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria? Exclamation point. She was totally convinced that Elisha the prophet could heal Naaman, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And it just goes on from there. Do we have a wonderful chapter in the Bible? Is it a good chapter? Does it teach us go in peace when Naaman had to go in and worship in the house of Rimmon, a false god? Does it show us 
that when we rebel against some of God's commandments because they're foolish in their appearance, that we should go ahead and do them anyway? Because Elisha told Naaman, if you want to get rid of your leprosy, well, no, Elisha didn't tell him. Elisha just sat in there in his lazy boy and sent the servant boy to out to the front door to this mighty man of valor and said, go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And all of that is from the dots of just reading Second Kings 5 and thinking about all the things that had to be in place in order for this wonderful chapter to be written. Your life is the accumulation of many dots of various kinds made by God and by you. We've been over this before. Why were you born in America? Why were you born in the 20th century? Why were you born around an influence that got you into a Christian church? Why did you care? Your jobs, your wives, your spouses, your husbands, the blessings that we have here. None of the dots of your life are by fate. Many of them were placed before you were even conceived. The majority of them. So you didn't have anything to do with them. Things don't just happen. You know, people say things just, things happen. No, they don't. God's in charge of every single one of them. Some dots deserve praise and thanksgiving to God for making choices to bless you. I want us to do that. Some dots call for humble reflection for they show God's chastening or His long-suffering in our lives. I want that to happen. Some dots do not show a connection of reward or punishment, but truth will prevail in the end, and His dots will make sense. Some dots confirm Scripture by revealing the cause of an outcome the Bible foretold. Some dots are promised rewards or punishments for your choice to obey or disobey. My purpose is to glorify God so that you'll be saying, connect the dots to each other. Look what's happened in your life. Look what the Lord's been doing to bring you to this point. I want to confirm His perfect Word. That when His Word says, consider your ways from this day on the calendar and upward, and I will bless you, that you can say, connect the dots. Yep, on that day, I made some changes. Did we have a testimony like that last week in this pulpit? That young man is very sick today. He wrote me at 2.15 a.m. this morning. Very sick. Because he was going to lay the icing on that cake. About what's happened in his soul. And he's disappointed. And I'm disappointed. But not too disappointed. And I told him, don't just go back to bed. After he described what he was doing. Um, But I'm very thankful. We want to confirm His Word, and I want to exhort all of you to godliness. Did you know you can change the dots in your life right now? Manasseh had a a string of dots, and they were ugly dots. Manasseh was the worst king Judah ever had. He had put up an idol. He had put up a false idol in the temple of God. He was offering children in sacrifice to God. He was the worst king in Judah. So God brought the king of Babylon, hauled him 700 miles back to Babylon, and put him in prison. He humbled himself in prison. What's humility? the first dot in Manasseh's new life. What happened? An order came down to that prison. You let that man go, and you give him an escort back to Jerusalem and put him back on his throne. That is impossible. Connect the dots. How is it possible? When a man humbles himself before God that was as wicked as Manasseh was, God blessed him and put him back on the throne. And then Manasseh said, Now I know that the Lord, he is God. And you should see the revival. He, he went around Judah ripping down idols and, and putting a revival in place in that nation. Right. Connect the dots. I want you to say when you when you think about things like that, connect the dots. I have many of them in my life. Good and bad. 
And by bad, I only mean that they were chastening. But they were still good. Chastening is good. I was, you know, when God afflicts us in faithfulness and brings us back to His way because He's wanting us to get our dots back on course. Praise His name. God is going to reward me for honoring my parents. But since I'm too stupid and rebellious when I was a young man to honor my parents, God lays the dot, multiple dots, of getting a hold of me so that I would want to honor my parents. Now, how in the world is there a God in heaven that makes me do something that He's going to reward? Do you like that relationship? I love that relationship. That is not even... Is that fair? That isn't fair. That's ridiculous. That's grace and mercy. He changes me to do something He's going to reward. I should have had to change on my own for Him to reward me. What hath God wrought? Remember, pray for me to come back fired up on Balaam. I don't need to be fired up on Balaam. I'm already there. But uh, Balaam, those words of Numbers 23, 23, did you like those? There is no divination against Israel. There is no counsel against Jacob. From this time forward, this is Balaam blasting off and Balak standing there hoping that he was going to curse Israel and he's hearing, from this time forth, everyone's going to say, what hath God wrought? Because God was going to do spectacular things in the nation of Israel by the blessing of Balaam, by the sovereign inspiration of God. Your life is the present value of an infinite number of His dots affecting every part of your life and all your opportunities from now through eternity. It's wonderful. And we love to see a few of them play out. You know, only He sees the end from the beginning. The secret things belong in the Lord our God, but once in a while He reveals a few to us to see. And it's wonderful to see them. There is no time and chance in the Bible because God's in charge of it, so that means our Heavenly Father has it in His hand. Ecclesiastes 9.11. Eric shared it with you very recently. Ecclesiastes 9.11. Brother Jeff and I exchanged this particular verse in thinking about Dunkirk and thinking about Midway and thinking about Valley Forge and thinking about what happens in battle. When the Lord makes a change in weather, the Lord makes a change in circumstances, the Lord closes the eyes of one opponent, just He causes them to make mistakes that they shouldn't have made. Why in the world did Hitler stop the Panzers 20 miles from Dunkirk, they, could, they were wiped out 340,000 men without a problem. And there's a reason for it, but it's just a stupid reason. Because Hermann Goring was a proud man and wanted to do with his Luftwaffe instead of the army. But anyway, Ecclesiastes 9-11, all that stuff is worthless, except to find in it the dot of God. Amen. I returned, Ecclesiastes 9-11, and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong nor the battle to the strong. 1.2 million Germans could have crushed that little 340,000 British expeditionary force that was there on the shores of the North Atlantic. The battle is not to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Amen. Those are God's dots. You say, I'm not smart enough. God has dots that will take care of you. I'm not strong enough. God has dots to take care of you. My military is undermanned. I'm under-equipped. God has dots that can take care of you. Connect the dots. 
Trust in the Lord. Paul and Silas were singing praises to God. They weren't singing petitions to God. Get us out of this terrible place down there in the prison. They knew that God had His hand on them because they'd had a vision from a man of Macedonia saying, come over and help us. They knew they were going to help God. They weren't worried about it. And you shouldn't be worried about it. Oh, my brethren, there's so many examples in the Bible. And the Lord wants us to delight in these things. Look at Psalm 18. Psalm 18. The first words you heard from the Word of God this morning in this place was in the prayer room before our first assembly. And you heard the first verses of Psalm 18. I'm going to read you the last verse. Psalm 18 is also 2 Samuel chapter 22. And this is David writing a a psalm of praise to God for having defeated all of his enemies. David was a man of war. He fought all the neighboring nations that were around Israel and extended the kingdom of Israel from the Euphrates River in modern Iraq all the way to the Nile River in Egypt. And when he when he got done defeating them all, in Psalm 1850, Great deliverance giveth he to his king and showeth mercy to his anointed, to David and to his seed forever. Those are the dots of God. God put dots on David's life that were going to extend into the eternal future that his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would reign forever on his throne. And David had been delivered many times leading up to the fact of when he had a son named Solomon for that to come into being. Remember we looked at Rebecca last Lord's Day, Moses' parents, Moses crying and Pharaoh's daughter being moved by it. David happed upon the army with food for his brothers. And who happed to come out when David happed upon the army? Are there a few haps in there? Amen. Goliath comes out and shoots off his big mouth and David hears it and can't believe it. He wants to do something about it. And he says, is there not a cause? Well, how would there have been a cause unless he'd arrived at the right time? And the big man had come out there and blown his mouth off. It's all the dots of God. Connect the dots. How does God give his, his little man David a name. He makes a bigger man in the Philistine camp that's nine feet, nine inches tall, while David's, could he have been only 5'10? But you know, the Lord, the Lord took care of all that. And I want you to rejoice at every bit of it. Amen. Is that a way to get started for the nation to accept you from a different tribe? When the man in, the man that's king is from the tribe of Benjamin and you're from the tribe of Judah. How do you get some help in the polls? You kill Goliath. Well, you can't kill Goliath unless the circumstances are arranged. Oh, we could go on and on. Esther and Mordecai. Is God mentioned in the book of Esther? No. Are there any dots in the book of Esther? Are there a string of dots on the behalf of Esther and Mordecai all the way through the book of a positive sort? Is there another string of dots in the book of Esther that are not of a positive sort, that are on Haman? The book is wonderful. And you've got these two, these, these two paths crossing, and it means that Haman ends up on his own gallows. And a feast day in Israel called Pur, And it's all the dots of God. Did Philip hapt on a eunuch? Do you, know what, do you know what the Lord told you, Philip? Go down toward Gaza in the desert. Yeah, right, Lord. You know, I'm here in Samaria. It's got a population of 70,000, and you want me to go down in the desert toward Gaza. Don't go to Gaza, because that's populated. Go toward Gaza. Did he hapt on someone? Yep. Was the man hapt, had the man hapt to be doing something? Yep. 
Now listen. Did they happen on water in the middle of the desert? Yes. Paul's nephew, Paul's sister's son, happed to hear a group of 40 Jews swear, we will not eat or drink until we kill Saul, of Tars- the Apostle Paul. He is going to be transported to Caesarea. We will wait in the way and we will kill him. They'll only have a few soldiers with him. Did he hap on that? Do you read the Bible? Do you love all these stories? Amen. That little guy came in and told Paul, and Paul said, called in the captain. And Paul went with an armed escort to Caesarea. But it all traced back to God had a little guy in the right place at the right time. We don't know how young he was. Did that deadly viper have to jump out of a fire just when Paul needed it? Did it change the affairs on that island? Was everyone that was sick healed? Did they get everything? How much do you carry when you jump ship after everything's been thrown out of it and you're trying to survive to shore? How much are you carrying with you? How many chests? No chests? Pockets not full of heavy coin? Because you want to make it to shore? They had nothing. It's cold. And they're sitting around the fire. Paul shakes off that venomous serpent. And they provided everything they need and gave them what they needed to get back across the island to another ship that came for them. Dots. God's dots. They're wonderful. We've, we've talked about all the things that, happen, that has happened in our church. I'm not going to repeat them. We could continue to talk about them. Every one of you have an enormous number of dots that have been connected that are God, His act of sovereignty here and there and there. He's always operating. Every single thing. Every breath we draw is by the sovereign pleasure of God and His eternal decrees. But there's events that stand out that He makes happen in our lives that are extraordinary. Then when we draw a line through them, the Lord's been with me all my life. The Lord's been with my Father. The Lord changed my grandfather. What if the Lord hadn't changed my grandfather? One dot. What if the Lord hadn't saved William Ole on the tip of canoe? Nine trips to Pearl Harbor full of fuel. That's a floating gas can waiting for a torpedo. Matthew, you wouldn't have a wife. So thank Jeff and the Lord. It's the Lord. Because Jeff did, where was Jeff when his father's 20 years old or 22 or 24? It's amazing. It's throughout our whole lives. And I want us to learn to look at everything and give God the glory. Because remember, I have three simple goals. Give God the glory, confirm that His Word is true, and exhort you to godliness. Because you can change your dots. The greatest dots in your life are the five phases of salvation and the fact that you are in an eternal, legal, and vital union with the Lord Jesus Christ to spend eternity with Him. Your dots are the choices that you make every day that greatly determine your life. In the book of Haggai, they were making choices to establish their careers and establish their houses and forgot about the Lord's house. The Lord blew against them. They couldn't get ahead, though they were putting all their energies and all their diligence and all their wisdom that they had picked up in Babylon toward advancing the economic climate of their city. They were going down. But as soon as they put the Lord's house first, their economic situation improved. It's that simple. Connect the dots. It is that simple. You say, well, what if God has something else in mind and keeps me poor? Oh, if God has something else in mind and keeps you poor, when you're practicing all the rules of Bible economics, 
Oh, go with it. Because those dots are even better than him increasing you economically. Because then he's increasing you in your soul and your relationship with him and your walk with him. Because he can increase you and send leanness into your heart. We don't want that. We'll always take his dots when we're being obedient. But we want to get to that obedient part. You know, you're putting a dot in your life right now by how you're listening to this sermon. Too boring? Too long? Wish I'd hurry up and quit? You're, You're placing a dot. You don't care about the Word of God. The Apostle Paul said, I will come to you in the fullness of the blessing of the Gospel of Christ. There is great blessing in the Gospel of Christ. I'm teaching you how to look at your whole life and see God's hand preserving you. Even if you came out of a bad situation, God saved you out of it. He didn't save the rest of your family. It's amazing. It's wonderful. He plucked a brand out of the fire. Brother, didn't he? Every man shall bear his own burden. God's ways are equal. He reacts to dots in spite of earlier dots. When you read Ezekiel chapter 18 last Saturday evening, eight days ago, did you read that if a wicked man would forsake his wickedness and do righteousness, that God would forget his wickedness and bless him for his righteousness? What a wonderful religion. The Bible is totally true. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Numbers 32 and verse 23, Be sure your sin will find you out. You have sinful dots in your life. They will find you out. They will tear you down. Or God isn't God. And God is God. So be sure your sin will find you out. I set before you blessing and cursing from the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Jeremiah. The Bible is filled with principles of dots. Look at Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. I hate to see... Have you ever heard the expression, he just looks older because of hard living? Hard living and the problems it brings. It's horrible. The way of transgressors is hard. If you transgress against the law of God and do things differently than He said, no matter where, no matter what, no matter what rule, no matter what you think, that you ought to protect yourself by breaking that rule, you are going to be troubled. There is no wisdom nor counsel nor understanding against the Lord. Proverbs 13.15 Good understanding giveth favor. If you do what is right and good as defined by the Bible, it gives favor to your life by God and men. But the way of transgressors is hard. Bad things happen because God's blowing against you. Put Him first. Put His way first. And you'll find favor. It's that simple. Make your dots righteous dots and God will bless. If you allow your dots to be sinful dots, God's going to judge you. And the way of transgressors is hard. Look at chapter 11 and verse 6. The proverb that was sitting in inboxes all last weekend, by God's timing, although most of chapter 11 is about this subject, Proverbs 11 and verse 6, the righteousness of the upright shall deliver them. See, if you have righteous dots, it will deliver you from the troubles of life. But transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. If their naughty dots are not corrected, those naughty dots will lead them into trouble. We are to keep our hearts with all diligence. For out of those hearts are the issues of life. The dots that we lay in our lives. And they all start right here in our heart. If we keep our heart, I want to love the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to fear God. I want to keep His commandments, every one of them. I want to esteem His commandments 
above all things on every subject and hate every false way. If that is the constant thought of our heart, the issues of light from us will be righteous dots and God will bless. And if you say to me, God doesn't make every one of His children rich. No, you're wrong. God does not make every one of His children rich financially. But if He doesn't make them rich financially and they're obeying, they are made rich in some other measure. Promised. Guaranteed. On the authority of God's Word. You're saying that God doesn't answer prayer and nor does He reward righteousness if you continue in that negative thinking. I just want to agree with you that God doesn't make all of His obedient children rich financially because there's better riches than financial riches. And I hope I've said that once already and now I'm saying it again the second time. Look at 22.5 about keeping your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. 22.5 Thorns and snares are in the way of the froward. What's a froward man? A perverse, rebellious, corrupt, disobedient, naughty person. Thorns and snares are in the way. I don't like thorns and snares. I want them out of my way. I want the Lord to clear them out of my way. He that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Is that a great cross-reference for 423? He that doth keep his soul. If you'll keep your soul thinking upon spiritual things, your mind set on the Lord Jesus Christ, on the Lord Jehovah, shall be far from them. Far from them. The thorns and the snares will not come in to your lives. You say, well, the Lord could still tempt me with some thorns. Oh, yes, but you want that. You want that little bit of tempting because if you pass it, you're going to get twice in the end. You want that little bit because it may be for chastening to make you better and more perfect so that your riches can increase spiritually with God. Don't fight the Word of God. Believe it. If it doesn't come financially, it can come other ways. And the other ways are better ways So we always win when we're righteous and we keep our soul. Look at 21.12. God wants you to think about where your dots are leading. It's like consider your ways in the book of Haggai. Again, when it says consider your ways, 1.5.1.7.2.15.2.18. What does it mean? Four times? It means connect the dots. You're doing this and you're getting this. Can you see the connection, folks? If you'll do this, I will bless thee. Twenty-one, twelve. The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked. Do you do this as a family? When you see someone that's wicked, you say, let's watch and see what happens to them. How long did you have to wait with the house of Alexander the Great? The house of Philip of Macedon. Macedonia was named after him. Philippi was named after him. Alexander's dad was a pretty important guy. How long did you have to wait to see what happened to that house? Alexander made it to 30. The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. They see that house getting richer, getting larger, getting... It's going to come down with a crash. We look for it, we see it in history, and we know that the Lord's going to do it. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Is that dots and the result of those dots? It is. Does the Bible say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you? That's the dots of putting God's kingdom first, and he'll take care of every need that you have. 
Jesus promised it so. Ephesians chapter 6, 2 and 3, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee. Guys, it will be on a slide on Wednesday night. Do you want to get ahead professionally? Take your parents out this afternoon. Do you want to get ahead professionally? Wash your dad's car. You say, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that it may be well with thee. That it may be well with thee. You say, well, what's the connection between a car and my job? That's why you're here in church today. Amen. There's a big connection. It's called connect the dots. You say, I can't work that way. Well, Joseph honored his dad. And look where he ended up on the throne of Egypt. And the stories just go on and on. The Bible's filled with them. Could you place a dot today for the wellness of your career, the wellness of your education? Could you place a dot today? Do something for your parents. Or if you're married to one of my children, do something for your in-laws. Because it works. Okay? Look at 29. Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. The rod and reproof are dots that you lay down as following God's plan for child discipline. It leads to wisdom. The rod and reproof, the rods, spankings or beatings, reproof is telling them they're wrong. They can't do that anymore. Leads to wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is a promise for connecting the dots. If you will have a dot every day in your life that is faithful to God towards your children, the promise of the Bible is what it says. You say, well, what about David's children? Well, David wasn't a good father, and the Bible tells you that. Well, what about Jacob? Jacob wasn't a good father, and the Bible tells you that. He had four wives. What do you think was going to happen? You say, I never thought about it that way. Well, think about it that way, because connecting the dots works in both directions. Four wives don't cut it with the Lord. You want a godly seed? You get one wife. Does it say that in the Bible someplace? Does it say that in Malachi 2.15? That God, when when he sought a godly seed, he gave one wife. This cause and effect in the Word of God is just precious information. If you allow a dot of bitterness, Satan will gain a hold in your life and it will grow into a tree and choke out life and many will be defiled by it. It'll ruin your family. It'll ruin your marriage. It'll ruin your life. It'll eat you up from the inside out. It's a powerful force. Get rid of it. Forgive. Forget. Love. Did Lot have some dots in his life? Those dots just kept getting closer and closer to Sodom, and look what happened to that man. You heard about it from our young men. Joseph's character, Samson's character, Eli, David, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, Ahab. You know what? Ahab changed his dots at the end of his life, and God brought the judgment in his son's lives, not upon him. Just a little bit of repentance on the part of Ahab because he changed his dots a little bit and was careful and went gently. The Bible Bible says he went softly because he was a bold, arrogant, profane worshiper of Baal. But he went softly. And God said, Elijah, look at at him. You know what? Because he was willing to change that much, I'm not going to let it happen in his lifetime. It will happen in his son's lives. Dots. Connect the dots. And the Bible shows us that. 
Do you know there's historical examples that we have of hard living and God's painful judgment? Do you know what the average age is of an American rapper? I'm going to send you something on Tuesday that will be interesting reading. It's a history of all the rappers that have died in this country. It's long, as you can imagine. They die in interesting ways. Do you know what the average age is of an American rapper, the age of death for, for an American rapper? It's 27. What's the average age of an American? 77. Well, are you surprised by any of that? How old was James Dean, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Morrison? Where are you going to put your dots today? Right. I love those examples. Elvis Presley made it to 42, but <laughs> the last 10 years of his life, he was just a zombie on drugs. There are many... There are mixed dots sometimes, God's dots and man's dots, and they get confused, and so we sort them out by the Word of God. Right. Sennacherib thought that he was laying down a pretty good string of successful dots. <laughs> victory after victory after victory, king of Assyria. And Israel wasn't going to be but another dot. But there's a God in heaven that wrote Isaiah chapter 10, and we read it with understanding and pleasure that God was just using him as a rod in his hand to spank Israel. And as soon as he was done spanking Israel, he was going to destroy that man and his army, and he did so. And we, so we go to the Word of God to sort out our dots and God's dots. Paul met Lydia. What was Lydia doing out by a riverside? There was prayer there. Why did Paul go to that riverside? Because there was prayer there. Who worshipped God before she ever met Paul? Lydia. But who needed to have her heart open to believe that the Old Testament was fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth? So there's God's dot, there's her dots, there's Paul's dots, and it all works together for the conversion of Lydia. But if the Lord hadn't opened her heart, Paul's words would have just gone over her head and possibly offended her for saying that Jesus of Nazareth was the fulfillment of the Jewish Messiah. You know, God's in the business of changing our hearts, inclining our hearts, directing our hearts, changing our minds, directing our minds, closing up our minds, stopping up our ears, opening our ears, closing our eyes, opening our eyes. He does all of that in his providential dots. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ today, if you love the Word of God, if you're thankful to be here, if you want to live righteously, all those thoughts have been worked in you by the God of heaven as some of the dots of his dealings with you. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. I go back to the fact that God changed me to honor my Father, and then he rewards for honoring my Father. Who doesn't want to worship this God and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? We want to pray for God to help us set our dots well. Look at Psalm 119. I'm almost done. Psalm 119. God can change your mind. God can change your heart. God can change your priorities. And we want Him to do that. We want Him to do that. Psalm 119, verse 35. Make me. This is God's dot. It'll look like your dot, but it's God's dot. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. 
Next verse. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. This is how a godly, righteous man prays. He understands that he needs God's dots for him to lay down any good dots of his own. And then the Lord rewards us for our good dots. Lord, help us to connect the dots. My purpose has been to glorify God, to confirm his perfect word, that when it says, if you do this, this will happen. That is connecting dots. You should be able to see it in the pages of the Bible, the pages of history, and in those that have lived around you. You can see it, see it, see it, and you should warn your children. Your children should be taught at your table about good and bad strings of dots resulting in God's judgment or God's blessing until they are convinced that it is instinctive that if you do what is right, God blesses. If you do what is wrong, God judges. Because that is the message of the Bible. There's always hope. doesn't matter what's going on before because Ezekiel 18 taught you that and Manasseh proved it to us. That you can repent and humble yourself greatly and God will change. You know, when I think about a 56-year-old, I know a man in Christ that's 56 years old and I think about all the dots that's been laid in his life and you know, what do we say? 98% of his dots have already been laid? And I want you to think, I'll just be talking about this man that's 56 years old. I want you to think about your life. How many of the dots have already been laid? From before the foundation of the world, to your parents, to your life, how many dots have been laid? Do you know what it does to me? I want to burn myself out with what I've got left. Because I want to lay as many good dots as I can the time that I may have left. He has put so many dots in place from before Genesis 1-1 to my grandfather, to my father, to the dealings that he's had with me in my life. He's taught me enough to know how to lay good dots and I want to lay them. He's worked it in me. I want to work it out. So teach us to number our days. I don't have that many left. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And what is that wisdom? Laying down dots that are pleasing to God. And then he rewards us for laying down dots that he moved us to lay down that are pleasing to him. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word for you to look at the circumstances of history, the things of life, and to glorify him for God laying down his dots that brought about good things in your life. So the first goal is to glorify God. The second goal is to confirm his word that when he says upon this course of behavior, you will receive this treatment from me and men, that you believe it. Because connecting the dots shows that it's true. And third, it's an exhortation to you to all want to live godly lives. Let's go out of this place and every choice that we make, let's make it a godly choice so that we're putting a dot. We've had a wonderful testimony recently and every one of us could get up and tell of places in our lives where we made a decision that I will follow Jesus. I will do what is right. Now this young man had some responses that were a little faster than usual. But we want to be thankful. We want to look for that. We want to believe that. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word to his glory, his word exalted, and your godliness increased. Amen.